Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Couch Talk, delivered by the Empowerment Portal, the number one platform that helps individuals and teams being energized, empowered, and engaged so that they can perform at an optimal level. This podcast will cover relevant topics that address current challenges, such as remote working and how to increase your organization's productivity, leadership skills, team culture, and performance. Hi, and uh, welcome to another episode of The Couch Talk. I'm Sabine Mataru, your host, and uh, I'm also the founder of the Empowerment Portal. Today, I'm with a very special guest. It's Harry Singer from harrysinger.com. He is an amazing, um, very influential entrepreneur who uh, began his professional speaking career at the tender age of 16. Uh, so welcome, Harry. I'm going to just do a quick intro, and then I'm sure you're going to expand a bit more on what your passions are and what got you into what you do now because as I understand you are serving over a million people across the world and you've been a very recognized and inspirational transformational speaker and you've been on stage with um, big big names like uh, Tony, Tony Robbins as I understand and you're now also a uh, the president and CEO of um, Elite Transformation Global and uh your consultancy base is, is around the world and you work with entrepreneurs as well as big organizations and leadership. So welcome today, Harry. Thank you. And it's interesting, whenever someone introduces you, you say he's been a speaker since he was 16 years old and then you leave that <laughs> other bit, people are like, so how old is he now? <laughs> Just to make sure people are clear. But yeah, that was only five years ago. <laughs> no, I'm joking. But uh, yeah, it's important to add, it's you know over 35 years now of doing what I do and people go, oh, were you really a professional speaker? Yes, I was getting paid one week after my 16th birthday to you know, deliver training um, and so on. But I didn't start at 16, I started a lot earlier. Um, and just a short intro to that is I, I grew up with a father who's alcoholic, who was physically violent to me. And you know, I'm a child who experienced domestic violence. So I used to experience my mother being you know, attacked regularly. Uh, I was sleeping on the streets of East London at the age of 10, 11, 12, 15, I left home for my own safety. And, you know, my journey took off from there. I could have gone one way or the other way. I actually went both. I did a bit of crazy things and good things. But uh, yeah, I started in the world of service and adding value to people professionally at the age of 16. Um, and then, you know, my if anyone ever asks what's my secret, my secret has always been investing in relationships. And I always, as a young kid, everybody was like, oh, one day you're going to be a great leader. I was like, "What? why do I have to wait till one day? You know, but age of 21, I was already the chair of mental health service for East London. So I was like, when do you get to this magical age? So rightly or wrongly, my whole life then took on about youth leadership and helping vulnerable women because that's who I was. So I was that child that wanted person to come and show young people especially me what the hell was going on what does all this mean and wanted to make sure women had what my mum never had so I want to create my foundation now uh, over 25 years ago it still serves young people and vulnerable women so that's a little backdrop uh, you know 30 plus years later and serving a million people I got a, I got quite good at what I was doing so yeah I'm, I'm totally blessed now to work with some of the most elite business owners and you know, sports stars on the planet but at the same time I'm still got my feet on the ground as that kid that grew up in East London um, and still get to serve so many people through the foundation so yeah that's me in a sort of two-minute nutshell. 
wow, that sounds really inspirational. I mean, especially because, yeah, you, you, as you said, it could have gone both ways because when you are at that tender age, you know, you could have just said, well, I give up, you know, there is no good future for me. But then what was it inside you that drove you? And, you know, we must have had that resilience built into yeah, you. I, I always, as a very, very young person, I, all the pain that was at home, the moment I shut the door of my house and went to school, it was like, that's pain, now it's time for a party. I'd go to school so excited, so happy. <laughs> and the mindset I had, and I felt I've always been guided. The mindset I had was those other people must have it worse than me because I saw people that were miserable at school. So I thought if I could come to school with a big smile on my face, they must have it worse than me. And then when I was hanging out every night in the streets of central London, I was serving the hopeless guys because I thought they had it worse than me. So I always had that concept. But the truth be told, me helping people was a way of me feeling I'm worth something. And it wasn't until I got into my early 20s, even though I'd achieved so much from the age of 16 right to my mid-20s, I was helping because I needed to. And then it switched when I finally took care of myself. I, uh, what I do now with some of the top people on the planet, I, I, what I called it was emotional constipation. I, I'd held on to stuff and I never told anybody anything about that happened to me. And then that was the moment when I managed to free myself, find my voice, and then I was able to serve and help because I wanted to rather than needing to and it was such a good place to be so yeah you know the other part of the guiding force was I had people that believed in me at times when I didn't believe in myself and yeah I'm eternally grateful for those people and you know still in touch with most of them that are still with us so yeah that those were probably the two things that I was always guided that I was there to help other people because they had it worse than me and I had people who believed in me when I didn't really think how the hell could I do this mm. so yeah those are probably the two things that pop up the most and and I think you just you just said it here this is probably why you call yourself a heart-centered transformational leadership coach and and you are heart-centered and you told me just before when before we started the recording that you work with people who are on the top of the game but it's not about hustling it's about feeling fulfilled and, and being can you just talk a bit about that concept yeah, I think it's so important now nowadays because we always think we need to produce more faster quicker with less personnel with, with less staff yeah uh, truth be told people always say to me uh, why, why are you working with the elite performers and uh, if I'm honest it was like if you're going to go in business you're going to go with the people who are super wealthy or the people who are struggling to pay you. I went, I'll go to the people who are super wealthy because I was really good at what I was doing. And, and I thought that was my initial drive. But then when you start to get to work with some of the people who, what I call it, top of their game, whether it's business or sports, I started to find a pattern. These guys had worked out how to become super successful at what they do. But what they do wasn't necessarily who they really are. And I was like, and they were coming to me and go, look, Harry, you're like, you travel around the world, you do good. How do you manage to do all of this? You're, you know, your relationship's great. And I was like, going, why are they asking me this? I thought they were the elite performers, right? And then I realized that they worked it out. They worked out scientific processes to achieve the success they wanted. But they were trying to use those same processes to achieve the success in the areas that were causing them the most pain. And most of them were suffering from the same challenge I had of emotional constipation. 
So I always believe that when we hold on to stuff and we keep it buried in, we become numb from it. We forget that it's there, even though we know it's there and it's draining energy. And then I always come from this place where I always say, I help them connect with their core authentic energy. And I call it energy as being an Asian, being an Indian, I always say to people, when we go to our elders' homes and we speak to someone, we have to address them with respect. And we have to call them Auntie G, Uncle G, Nanny G, Papa G. And I, when I work, when I speak with audiences, whether they're young people, especially young people, I love going to India when you're speaking to a thousand young people and say, what's the most important energy? And most of them shout, Mummy G. And it's like, I say, nope. And I really interrupt their pattern. And I said, nope. It's energy. And then I realized the whole thing about energy. What is energy? It's a vibration. And if we suppressed our core energy, then we're never able to be our true self. So that's effectively what I'm doing with these guys because by working with elite performers and getting them to be in their true, true core energy, I get to live my mission of inspiring other people to serve consistently and authentically. This was the key word. So I switched it and made it authentically and consistently, and therefore they make service leadership their lifestyle. And that's what they wanted. When you've made it to the top of the game, you wanna, you wanna find ways to keep doing more and they don't know how. And they're looking for legacy, but not just financial impact. So yeah, I don't know if that answers your question. And that's brilliant. Yeah. I mean, so, so now I have two trains of thoughts now. Um, coming off this so one is right this this probably isn't just something that you can do with top athletes i'm talking about mm -hmm. top leadership people in in leadership who at some point may get stuck and you know there's just so much pressure on on them so it's probably gonna it's the same sort of thing in terms of tapping into energy and um it's the same with same with uh, our leadership programs in our foundation so the foundation serves young people and vulnerable women. So mm -hmm. we support charities and organizations that serve that group of people. But those programs are called Find Your Voice and Serve with Impact because, you know, when I'm working with women from a domestic violence unit who have experienced some of the most horrific things or forced marriage or slavery or any of these things, it's finding their voice isn't about them having to go and speak and becoming a speaker. It's about you've buried all of your stuff with everything else that's happened. It's like getting back to this and not suddenly becoming a professional speaker and doing what I did, turn your worst day to best days and make it a gift. It's more a case of how can you connect with that true core energy and then bring it to everything that you do, your relationships, your business, your game, whatever it is. So you can start to feel fulfillment in everything you're doing now and then eventually grow it to the point that you then may want to create a legacy that goes on beyond you. That, that's what it's, so it's not just for them. It's I choose to work with elite performers because I think I can use their platforms to impact the world more. But that allows me, and you know, I have no shame in saying I charge huge figures, six figures for people that work with me personally. But that allows me to impact millions of people who would never get to access the information that we have. And technology is an amazing thing. And um, We've got leverage it. Yeah. And you, and again, second train of thought I just had is obviously, and now we, we talk a bit more about the, the whole pandemic, because I believe a lot of people had bottled up a lot of energy. They've lost their you know authentic voice, uh, perhaps even 
having self-doubt now, mental wellness issues. You know, how have you seen a shift through that pandemic in terms of maybe we have some challenges, but potentially also some opportunities? Yeah, well, I, see, for me, some, I, I get to travel five, sometimes six continents every single year, and I get to see, I get to say to people, I get to see the best of humanity and I get to see the worst of humanity. So I was already exposed to some of the most horrific things in life. But I always say that when we end up with, whether it's a pandemic, a pandemic or a global crisis, we've had global crises before, however we label them. And whenever they happen, usually they're either major financial crashes and each one of them, whatever it is, it's uncertainty, it's fear. And what does that mean? I always say that whenever something like that happens, usually I used to talk about two parts. I always think that when uncertainty hits people on a global scale, we get squeezed. And when we get squeezed, this is why I said it, when we get squeezed, the real stuff comes out. I always say, you know, if you squeeze orange, you're going to get orange juice. You can't get apple juice out of an orange juice, right? So all the masks sometimes have to come off. So when I say squeeze, I believe that humanity then gets squeezed and forced because they're squeezed, they get forced to become intelligent on certain areas. One, financial. So whenever there's a financial crash, it's like, oh, there's a recession. People start to think about budgeting. Even if you take it just to the basic level of how much do I spend on my shopping or my petrol, or my gas, whatever it is, or how much I spend when I go out, they all start to become a little bit financially intelligent. But the other one that you've already mentioned slightly is they become emotionally intelligent. So whenever we have these major challenges on the planet, why do we see so many people commit suicide? Why do we people, you know, suddenly end up on the streets homeless because their relationships break down because they get to the point where they're like oh my god i can't take this is too much and mental health challenges go through the roof the mental health service is already stretched and you know what happens well what happens is people are getting squeezed and what's happening they're being forced to start to learn how to manage my emotions you know take some meditation time, some headspace, all of these things that people have been preaching for years. They're like luxuries. Until we get squeezed, they become essential. So there is some benefits to that, even though I'm honest to say there's a lot of pain, a lot of pain. You know, many people who are providing for their family can't provide for their family thinking, well, this is it. I'm useless now, so I may as well kill myself. That's the extreme end of what's happening. But what's happened now is we also got squeezed about our health with the pandemic. People are like, oh, how do I build my immune system? I mean, let's put it this way. How many billions are washing their hands? <laughs> We're supposed to be washing. So suddenly we got taught how to wash our hands, right? So all of these things happen. And I think that people get squeezed and it, it has its upside. It has its downside. And, you know, as much as people have been hurt, we've lost people, people have got a little wiser. And the downside to it is because I've seen it enough times, usually once everything settles down, people tend to go back to their old behaviors. And that's why people talk about back to normal. I never say go back, always go forward. Go forward and take what you want. So those are the things that I usually say. But in this pandemic, um, I saw so many things. I saw businesses, people jumping from one business to the other, doing what they think they had to to just make money and it 
it tends to separate those who are there. Like, imagine if you're passionate about working with women, vulnerable women, and the pandemic comes along, you say, right, forget vulnerable women, I'm going to go and work with someone else. It's like, you're seeing a lot of that. You're seeing a lot. And they'll go, I'll come back to that. I mean, you can't come back to that if that's what your life's about. Sure, you can make money somewhere, and you have to find different ways, but you should still be serving who your community is if that's who you really are. So, you know, I think there's what, you know, in, in crude language, there's some draining of the swamp, especially in the industry that I'm in, in the speaking industry and in the consulting industry, so-called people who call themselves experts, who this is my mission, this is my passion in life, and suddenly, forget that, boom, I'm now positioned at something else. So, you know, they've done it for whatever reason, and, you know, respect them for that. But what I do respect to the people that stayed through it, found different ways to manage their finances and yet still serving who they say they're going to serve. Yeah, that, that, that's the biggest part about being squeezed. Um, but you know, even then on the pandemic, I remember the first time we were locked down. I mean, what a reset for the planet. Mm-hmm. Trees were singing, the animals were coming out, going, where are the people? And it yeah. was just- No more planes in the sky. <laughs> that's it and for someone who travels a lot and flies a lot i was like my body had a reset i used to fly people think you know traveling around the world it's all glamorous and it is but at the same time it takes a toll on your body and you know hotels are not the most glamorous thing when people think about it because it, you're raised family yeah Maybe isolated. yeah yeah i'll summarize it that what happened is if i put it in a much better or compassionate language rather than we get squeezed and forced to do stuff. What's happening is we've been reminded about what's important. We've been reminded that tomorrow's never promised. And when that comes about and we, we're reminded of our own futility and immortality, I just want, just want people to be clear that we start to think about, oh yeah, okay, we're I'm not seeing my I'm not seeing my grandparents, I'm not seeing my aunties, I'm not seeing my friends and and you start going, oh, okay, and you know, oh, the value of social and rather than just this, and, and also about the value of our rituals. You know, when we've had people pass away and you can't sit in a room together and cry or you can't hug someone, all of those things that we take for granted. So, in that sense, there is a lot of a reminder of what's important, and hopefully, that's the gift that people take a, a reminder to really check in with what's important and who's important in the whole cog of the world. Like, you know, we clapped health workers and, you know, why were we not clapping them before? They were saving lives all the time, right? But it just allowed us to remind and see, yes, we can, we could choose our focus and look at all the terrible things. But yeah, I'd, I'd rather leave it at that, that reminded us what's important. Perfect. I think you just answered my last question. Harry, thank you so much for being with us. Just leave us with your mantra. I have so many mantras. I always say to people, no matter what you're doing, do it from your energy and keep serving. Thank you so much. That's Harry Singer and your website's harrysinger.com. People can connect with you there. Okay, thank you. Thank you to our amazing guests, To hear more from changemakers, industry and thought leaders sharing their best practices, journeys and stories, subscribe to the weekly Couch Talks. 
And if you'd like to find out more about our memberships and consulting services we offer for individuals, teams and organizations to help build up workforce resilience, increase productivity and organizational growth, then connect with us through our website www.theempowermentportal.com and book a complimentary call with us.